Welcome, 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 podcast listeners. You are here with your host, Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. You are joined by Mr. Matt Quat. No, you're not. <laughs> you're joined by, <laughs> oh my gosh, it is Josh. Indeed. Uh, hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Oh, it's it has to happen, doesn't it? This is like... It, it's one of the constants in the universe. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's as constant as gravity and as Christmas being an absolute bore lake to, to organise. It is one of those constants. It's now, it's, it's officially December now, so I have no excuse not to get into the Christmas spirit. But I have marginally got into the Christmas spirit. Indeed. So far. Yeah, I, I was... Uh, I was denying the Famalam to put up any Christmas decorations until it hit December. <laughs> so now I have absolutely no excuse. Good man. Indeed. I mean, like, my mum had started putting up the decorations at home and uh, the weekend, and I was just kind of like, I've stopped you long enough, you might as well now. <laughs> That's it. There's only so much that I can do here. There's only I can only hold these floodgates closed for so long. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty much right. Indeed. So we've got a Bromi cast today. This is the Birmingham boys. That's Boston in it. Ah, it it is eight. Uh, so this is episode number two seventy seven of the Fret Talk podcast. We are. I mean, we're getting pretty fucking close to the three hundred here, and that is that's a milestone. That that's that's a big milestone as far as podcasts go. I, th- I think we're gonna have to do something special for it, aren't we? Probably, I, I might do a, a fully naked podcast, but because it's, mm. <laughs> I'm gonna say because it's a podcast that's only going to be sufferable for us. Indeed, you you fuckers can absolutely deal with it. Oh, <laughs> oh, excellent! Right, so we will start the way that we usually do with what we have been up to this week. You've been a bit of a busy boy. Doing doing a little bit of recording for Pedalboards of Doom, have you not, Mister Josh? I I have been I have been doing some Pedalboards of Doomy stuff. I have, as probably people that have been obviously following on Pedalboards of Doom, we were lucky enough to get a nice collection of the the Kline G series uh, pedals, and Indeed. after having uh, a bit of time playing with them and getting used to them and finding what I liked about them. It, it was time to shoot some videos for them. And uh, I, I think people are going to like them. Absolutely. He right. says. So we've, like, both me, you and Mikey have taken four each, which covers the entire the entire lineup, haven't we? Yeah. Um, so I, for those who aren't aware, I have been using... Well, I have shot videos on uh, the the Nasty Bear, which is like a a silicon based kind of. I would say silicon based fuzz. Yeah, I think I that's think what they say in the. Um, it. It's yeah, it's a silicon transistor fuzz, but with the uh, the quote unquote spirit of a germanium. I think is what they say. Yeah, um, I've been using that uh, the Eagle Eye Boost, which has been a really nice you know don't want to spoil too much but it's been a really nice pedal to use yeah uh the barn owl reverb which spoiler alert has become one of my favorite pedals i hate to say um (laughs) and it's a little bit of a beast uh, the barn owl i have really been enjoying it more than i expected myself to enjoy a thought i've been used to these quad cortex style reverbs and uh yeah it, it shut me up when i started using it damn uh, <laughs> and i've been using the tiger's eye distortion as well yeah i, I must admit the like when when we first got them through because you were you were the first out of me you and lee to get them through you shot some like really quick kind of phone footage, um, and just like posted it in our little group chat. And the one that really yeah, impressed me was the Tiger's Eye distortion. I thought that is a like it's very well dialed in, and it was like a really tight um, metal kind of chunk to it. 
I yeah, I I just hit up um I for my I I would say you know pedal platform that I use for when I'm shooting videos is just a V V40 Deluxe clean channel. You know, it's a predominantly clean channel anyway. Mm. And um, I was just like, okay, let's just straight up audio, nothing else. And I was like, hmm, this is this this chugs, this chugs. And I mean, um, that is that's a, a video title there, isn't it? This chugs. Yeah, I mean, not to rip off uh, another YouTuber that does very similar things. Um, <laughs> it it it, re- it really does cut through quite well, especially this is a little uh, hint. For all you people out there that have got some of the G series pedals, yeah, um, don't be afraid to stack the pedals. Oh, that's what that, that's my little Josh's tip is to <laughs> experiment. Little Josh's tip, <laughs> yeah, that, that's something I'm used to hearing quite often. Put it away. Put it. Put little Josh's tip <laughs> yeah, away. And that. And that. Um, and yeah, if you have a little experiment with stacking some of the pedals, you can get what I would kind of say would be like a multi-gain stage amp sort of feel. Yeah. And, that, and that's a, a question that comes up a load on just a lot across um, across the guitar forums on Facebook is like how to do gain stage and how to stack pedals properly. So I'd be really interested to hear that. Yeah, it, game stage, and I, I think it's a very specific thing because it, you, you kind of, I guess, it's very much tailored to how you you know you play yourself. It's not something I think somebody else can tell you to do. You've just got to kind of figure it out how you would do it yourself. But as I found out, like I've. I'm not going to say which three because it'll it'll be a future video at some point. Um, but I have stacked three of them mm-hmm. and are getting really good um, overdriven sounds out of it. <laughs> well, I think that rules out the barn owl there, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be interested to hear how, like which order you've put them in and how like how it affects the sound as well. Awesome. I'm I'm down with that. I've yet to do mine, so you're making me look bad here, man. <laughs> well, I don't have a choice, so I'll start my new job next week, so probably like for the next month I'm just not going to like have any time to shoot anything. So you've got to be like balls to the wall, like knee deep within your new career. So pretty much. Yeah, I get it, I get it. Whereas oh, I might Fingers crossed, hopefully. Please, please. I might have like um, a, a spare couple of days over the next month. So I'm, I might get mine, mine shut. So keep tuning back into the, the podcast and listen out because I'll, I'll be telling you as and when that happens. But this week, <laughs> this week, I um, did a demo for a pedal that I've had for quite a while and I've been trying to find the best way to do um like a pedal boards of doom video for it and i've still not still not wrapped my head around and and the the reason why i've been kind of struggling with it is because the pedal is so so good and so versatile i want to show off all of these features in it and i just don't know how to cover it within the like within the space of a, a video so i thought to kind of uh to scratch the itch of like putting a video on this uh, pedal, I did a no talk or tone on it. I was like, that'll that'll stoke the fires and get get that inspiration kind of churning over again. Um, and it's the and just copy the footage. <laughs> I mean, I could do that. <laughs> that would be really fucking lazy. Um, but no, I've, so I've already like recorded a little uh, a little kind of bluesy track for the pedal boards of doing video that I'll do for it. But we'll go into that a little bit more when when that's closer to being finished. The no talk or tone for it is the ritual devices Grimalkin fuzz. It's the Grimalkin octave fuzz. But to pigeonhole it as an octave fuzz is to say one of the things that it can do. I've coined it as 
the most versatile fuzz pedal ever. And I don't think... Ooh, that is... It's quite the claim, but hear me out. Hear me out. So on the no talk or tone, I managed to get kind of crunchy overdrive, like guitar rolled off fuzz tones, but just by using the pedal. I managed to get like super, super saturated guitar fuzz, like, like overdriven amp with a fuzz face in front of it kind of tones out of the pedal itself. There was the octave style fuzz pedal tones. There was the Velcro kind of bias on the transistors dipping below the the normal kind of like the normal juice normal, you get into a transistor and you're getting that kind of really gated Velcro-y style fuzz. And you also yeah, almost, had... It's like clipping itself almost in a way. Yeah, it's you can you can hear... You can hear it like almost kind of struggling to get the notes out. And then there was kind of synthy style, um, like synth style octave um, fuzz in there as well. So... It does it all. It just does it all. And not only that, the the graphic on the front, it looks like, you know, like those kind of really ornate Victorian, um, like, tile prints. Like, very kind of small yes. and finite, like, um, like, fine detail. But if you look really closely, the, the little detail, like, tiny little cats... Oh, it's just. It's... Oh, is that what it? Because I, I, I had seen um, it. Uh, you know, obviously, for when you schedule your videos, I, I'd seen it pop up. Yeah, and I, I, I must admit, I was kind of looking at it, going, "What, what is, what is that?" Like, because it, it, it say it looks like that kind of the green like checkerboard yeah. kind of yeah, sort of stuff. And I was, I was trying to work it out. Yeah, I mean, the the ritual devices stuff is. It's all very much based on that like, really ornate kind of Victorian style print um, kind of stuff. And there's some of them that are just kind of like swirly, very ornate patterns. This, But this one is like uh, like just a bunch of like cats that uh, correlate. <laughs> so it's just this like weird <laughs> little cat pattern. So it's a really cool, cool little Easter egg when you like look into the fine detail. So... Like ten out of ten, would fuzz again. It's... I am intrigued because, like you say, the the claim of best, like most versatile fuzz is, yeah, it's bold. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got the kind of the, um, spluttery dying battery tones out of fuzzies before. I've got octave tones out of fuzzies before. I've got synthy tones out of fuzzies before but none of which have been in one pedal. So I think, like, and it does them, it's not like it's, you're getting a half-assed version of all of those sounds as well. They're really, really decent sounds. So I'm down for it. I am down to claim with the Grimalkin Fuzz. Oh, 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 I, I, sorry. I have just remembered one thing that I have done this week. What are we saying? And I completely forgot. I got a Black Friday deal. Oh, nice. What are we saying? I I have gone to our friends at Tate Effects. Yes. And I picked myself up an Antares. Yes, I did. You are part of the club. I am. I have been sitting on the fence for so long and I was just like, yep, yeah, I'm 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 finally getting one. And I have done, and I should hopefully have it on. Well, the day this is being shot, I should have it tomorrow. Hopefully, noise. And I yeah. can't wait to use it. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and like talking about uh, like versatile pedals, the Antar is is it's one of those overdrive pedals that you can get so much out of. I I I have. I'm just looking at my board now, and I have two overdrives on there. I've got an MXR GTOD, and I've got the uh, 
the uh, the penis slayer clan. Um, so it's it, yeah, it's kind of going to be, I guess, like a completely different style of of, of overdrive. So I am really looking forward to uh, getting my hands on it and having a good play around. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, if you like, take some time to to get to know the clean blend and the game control and how they interact together, you will get so much out of that pedal. I I hope you are right. Well, I, I don't doubt it because, you know, Stu knows what he's doing. He makes absolutely incredible pedals. Um, yeah, yeah, he, yeah no he, doubt. You know, he's an, he's an absolute wizard. So, you know, I to be fair, I, again, like I said, I've been on the fence with it for a while, just, you know, about pulling the plug on it. And then um, it was actually our man, Phil Dyer, who was just like, mate, I've got three of them. Get one. <laughs> and, I was, and, and I was just like, okay, fine. Yeah, he, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he, I feel? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, I like, out of the entire lineup for the, the Tate Effect stuff, and I, I do like, I do like the majority of the lineup. Um, in fact, actually, I, look, I'd choose, I'd choose any of them and put them on a board. Um, but the Antares is the one that I would say peaks it for me. It's, it's the the cream of an uh, already excellent crop. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, you got to let us know how you get on with it because it's really interesting to hear. Right, we've got um. We've got some stuff to talk about this week. One of which, before we get onto the hot take, is some very, very sad news. Is that um, yesterday, like late hours of yesterday, there was some news come through that uh, Christine McVie of the band Fleetwood Mac had passed away, which is like, incredibly, incredibly sad. Um, I know you're not particularly a uh, big Fleetwood Mac fan, ah, Josh. Um, but like Fleet, Fleetwood Mac have, have done, like, like for me, I, I've enjoyed the, the eras of Fleetwood Mac. I've enjoyed the Peter Green stuff and the, and the Buckingham Knicks kind of era stuff as well. Um, I always found myself drawn to uh, the songs that are led by, uh, Christine McVie. I thought she was very underrated as a as a vocalist because like you've obviously got Stevie Nicks in the band, who's this bigger, like bigger personality than uh, than a lot of the band, and kind of has got that showmanship. And Christine was always like the opposite, where she was very reserved and took the back seat, and just kind of sat back and was like a dependable member of the band um so she kind of sunk back like sunk back a little bit but i always found the the ones that were headed up by christine were the ones that really spoke to me so it's uh it's a it's definitely a sad day for for music it's a you know i fully admit i'm not the the biggest fleetwood mac fan in the world but you know you can't um underestimate how much of an influence people like her like and Stevie Nicks like you say have had had uh within uh female showmanship and female um front women so to speak uh it's it's a huge huge loss yeah and if you if you want to uh if you want to find out more about Fleetwood Mac I would absolutely urge you to like check out the documentaries about especially that era from kind of rumors onwards is because they were so, like the the fact that they managed to get any music produced at all was immense there was so much like infighting between like between multiple members and like absolute like marriages breaking down and like massive massive drug addictions and stuff it was it was insane there's always a lot of drama going on yeah absolutely but like all of that kind of 
that tension fueled some of the best music that they produced. Like there were two uh, two tracks on Rumours which were basically like outlining the two sides of a breakup, like within the band with uh, Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, and the, like they were the two sides of their argument essentially. And it's just like knowing that, listening to those tunes, it it adds such a gravity to the the, um, the importance of them. But you had that as well with um, with Christine McVie and um, John as well. So it was like it was just mental. Like the amount of just just drama, just drama in the band. It was just fucking mental. But yeah, like rest in peace, uh, Christine and. Just thoughts go out. Right, let's uh, let's do a hot take. Let's bring this podcast back, back up to up to our usual. Right, so we've got a hot take. Our last week's hot take was based on the Crowther hot cake. So the hot take was hot cake, and the opinions were divided so so much. So we've got an a 50-50 split between yay hot cake and <laughs> I prefer my cake cold. So we've got <laughs> like an absolute 50-50 split. So there's no decider there. What I will do though, I will double check back um by next podcast and I'll see if that that has changed if there's any change in it at all we'll we'll call it there and then. But for now it's a stalemate. It doesn't happen often, but it has happened this week. Right, uh, this week's hot take I've taken from the Pedal Boards of Doom group and is from a gentleman called Gabriel Cruz. And he said, Rare expensive pedals are for suckers. I feel this one might be a little bit controversial. <laughs> a little bit. Indeed. So... Which side of the argument are you taking here, Josh? What are you gonna are you gonna do, pro or against this statement? Well, context, I think, is key here. Okay, talk me through because, your thought process. Because I understand his viewpoint that. There are a lot of expensive pedals and brands that I guess you kind of, I would say you are paying over the odds for purely down because of the name. Okay. Um, you know, there I'm. I'm not going to say any any brands because I don't want to piss any any of the wrong people off. But you kind of, you know, you you do pay over the price for some brand names when there can be other brands that, you know, do the same product but cheaper and, you know, nine times out of ten better. So I understand where he's coming from because expensive pedals, can you know, you can kind of pick up cheaper elsewhere. So. Yeah. You know, yeah, there are alternatives you, you know, out there, aren't there? Yeah, there's there's alternatives out there. You know, where you don't have to go and spend, say, four hundred and fifty pounds on a reverb, for example. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, but at the same time, uh, a lot of pedals, you know, that are on the pricier spectrum, you know, do warrant you know, better algorithms and and things like that, which which do make a better product. Okay. Um, so, and personally for me, I would love to be able to own expensive pedals because I, from, again, me personally, I think you do get better products with paying more money. So, like, I wouldn't say that they are for suckers in that respect. Okay. But so you've taken it very much from the kind of the brand new rare and expensive pedals. So pedals that you can go out and buy today that are from perhaps a, a manufacturer who don't produce hundreds and hundreds of this 
product. Say, for example, Analog Man, who do everything kind of hand-soldered in-house. They've got a small team of of people making like their circuits, and you have to go on a wait list if you want a, a King of Tone. And that wait list can take you two, three, four years. So... From that, like you're talking, what what they charge him for a king of tone? I think it's in the region of about three hundred quid. Yeah, it's about three. I think it's about was it four hundred dollars or or something like yeah. that. Off the top of my head, I could be right. I could be wrong. Which for a a dual drive pedal seems quite quite excessive. Excessive, but. Because of their wait list, they could probably charge double that and people would still buy it. And in fact... And again, they are kind of... They get in that price because of the name. They've built that reputation. Yeah. And and to be fair, they they could hike up the price. They know this because people people buy them and they'll sell them on for more. So they know that there's a market for it. They know they could do it and they could get away with it. Um. They don't. They've like they've gone on record of saying like the, we don't uh, like we don't control this inflation. These pedals are available, and we will make them available. But there is a wait list. And that's like there's no no getting around that because we we're a small team. We're not going to expand. We're not going to make this into like a mass production because we don't want to flood the market with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them because it kind of devalues the product a bit then. However, like when I first saw this uh, statement, rare and expensive, I was thinking the clon. I was thinking like your standard, um, like your original clon, like gold and silver clon, talking 5K for a pedal. Um, They are rare. They are very, very expensive. Are they worth the 5K or... Are you better off, as you say, searching for those alternatives that are available? Like the J Rocket Archer, apparently is a very, very um, accurate representation of the clon. The um, Ryra clon is supposed to be held as like an excellent example. You've got stuff like the Tumnus, which have taken the clon idea and ran with it a little bit and expanded even further onto that. So you've got the options of getting that clon sound but without having to like having to spend what would easily get you a very very um very very specced up custom guitar yeah it it doesn't i wouldn't i wouldn't say it doesn't help with you know, i'm trying to think of the best way to word it you know Clons, you know, a, a kind, you know, if we're using the clon as the example, the clons have kind of been the victim of their own success in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, you know, they've kind of got on that status, you know, through people kind of like, you know, John Mayer or whatever. Um, and, you know, the whole, you know, transistors and, you know, a lot of it is kind of, I would say myth, you know, it's like in, in a way. Yeah. You know, like, like the, um, what's it on the KTR, you get like, almost always makes the pedal (laughs) worst, almost always makes it better, you know. Yeah. And you've got the disclaimer on the front as well. Like be aware that none of the hype surrounding this pedal is of my own making kind of, uh, disclaimer. And, and yeah, yeah the, um, the clon itself, like the clon circuit, is a little bit in its own kind of bubble, isn't it? It's it is the most extreme end of that argument. But you've got stuff like the original um, Marshall Blues breaker pedal, the big box one. Um, they go for silly money these days because people have used them. Because like Gary Moore, and uh, you'll find them on like. Big, uh, big players pedal boards. The TS10 as well. Another John Mayer pedal, like a weird '80s version of the Tube Screamer. Which before that, people were like, nah, "It's okay." Then Stevie Ray Vaughan used one, and because Stevie Ray used one, John Mayer used one. 
and then suddenly they're twice, three times, four times the price. Um, yeah. So they are rare and expensive. Are they better than a tube screamer that you could buy, like you could go into the shop and buy today? Who knows? Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, no. <laughs> Is that, was that a, a mouthing of the word no there, Josh? Um, Might have been. But, I mean, um, uh, Wampler did the Moxie, didn't they? Which is supposed to... It also comes... I guess it comes back to the hot take we had. It oh, wasn't too long ago, I've, um, either, where we were saying about, you know, the, the modern pedals are better than... Oh, was it new, newer, more modern pedals are better than their older counterparts? Or, yeah. Or, or something yeah, like, like the, the technology that is used to create these, like the the components being higher tolerances like tighter tolerances sorry not higher tolerances and like yeah um circuit design just having come on within the the past 20 30 years as well yeah no i uh, yeah i i understand you it's it it's coins of going along that that similar line but is there something to be said for like the mojo of rare and expensive pedals and the kudos of having something so rare and expensive, like something that other guitarists will look at your board and it's just like it will be sought after because you've got that kind of status symbol. Is that worth it? Is that worth? I think that's, that's you know, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. It's a status symbol. Just because you own an original clone, just because you own an analog man, doesn't make you John Mayer, doesn't make you <laughs> Stevie Ray Vaughan. And I think Wish that's it fucking did, the, mate. <laughs> I think that's all kind of part of the key because, you know, yeah. I, I see so many people kind of sharing. Um, pictures of their pedal boards and they might have a clan and you know you can you can kind of tell the person when you see they've got a clan uh a t you know like a ts10 or a qtron you automatically know what <laughs> yeah. kind of style that they're playing at or, or playing for and like say just because you have that doesn't mean that you know you ultimately have the ability to to do so yeah, so does that make that person then a sucker? <laughs> well, like all all the gear and no idea, I think is the the term, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but it's it's not necessarily the case. It's not necessarily because you find people who have got the gear and can play as well. Oh yeah, you know that there is absolutely that side of the argument as well. I mean, just look at the uh, that pedal show, guys. Like they they've got some absolutely fantastic gear. They've got some gear ranging from the the most rare and expensive and sought after gear, and those guys can play. Oh yeah, absolutely. But this is down to you now, listeners. Do you think that rare and expensive guitar gear? Or sorry, rare and expensive pedals, not even guitar gear. Rare and expensive pedals are for suckers. It's down to you. I'll put the poll in the podcast group and you need to decide on whether you think that is a true statement or whether you think that is false. So we've got some news this week. We've got some news hot, spicy, spicy hot off the press. This is literally being released today. We have got Wampler have released the collective series. So they've released a series of pedals. Look, they've released two pedals so far. I think this is with a vision to expand this almost like you'd get the uh, the JHS3 series where they released a few little... little um, like easily um easily available and easily um like pedals that just fit into any rigs like overdrives and like delays and what whatnot. So they released a few and then they expanded that. I think 
the idea is that Wampler are doing that. They're testing the water with these two pedals and they are then going to release more and more as the as the collection grows. Um, much like the JHS3 series as well, the collection series, or sorry, the collective series, um, is at a budget price point. So this is the first time... Uh, in the OnePlus history, that they have released uh, pedals that come under the $100 mark. <sighs> so, I mean, very much competing in that same space as the JHS3 series. So I think there's going to be a lot of parallels drawn between those two because like very similar kind of manufacturers. They're smaller um, boutique manufacturers got their start on the the modding circuit and especially with the modding boss pedals. So let's have a look at what look what these two um what these two pedals are. So we've got the first one is the Triumph Overdrive. So the Triumph Overdrive is a green style overdrive. And I think on the like within the marketing spiel that's been on like Sweetwater and stuff like that said it's kind of aiming towards like the SD1 kind of sound and the Digitech Bad Monkey, which is a pedal that's got quite the cult following. It's uh, it's seen like quite a few people, which is kind, which is kind of weird because when you hear green style overdrive, you, your mind kind of takes you to a a you know an Ibanez pedal of some sorts. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I mean you. Like when you're saying a green style overdrive, it's almost transcended that original tube screamer circuit, and it's like it's a synonym for mid hump uh, overdrive, isn't it? So you you get the idea of what you're going to be getting straight out of the game. You're going to be getting a very mid rich overdrive sound used very very well with single coils to like fatten it all up, or with a driven amp tone to kind of tighten up all of that um like the flubby low end so the uh the triumph overdrive has got a three band eq as you find on many many of the one pedals so i mean that in and of itself kind of sets it apart from your your everyday tube screamer which has a, like a sweepable tone knob um You've got so your three band EQ. You've got your gain and your volume, which you'd expect. But you've also got a um, a flick switch as well, like a mini toggle. Smooth mode and punch mode. So your smooth mode is your standard mid rich um, overdrive kind of tone. So you're getting your classic tube screamer style tones, but with a three band EQ. So taking the oh. Or like almost the spirit of the Bad Monkey, which was like a two-band EQ, but then also giving you control over that mid-range as well. I was going to say smooth mode doesn't turn your guitar into playing Santana. I mean, with a three-band EQ, I I suggest you probably could get some Santana tones. <laughs> but you've also got... So you've got the smooth mode is your kind of standard um, screamer kind of mode. And then you've got punch mode which shapes the lower end, kind of gives you a bit of a boost towards the lower end, so makes it more of a a full range rather than a big push in the mid-range. So we've got got quite a versatile sounding drive. Now, I've not had a listen to any of the, um, the sound examples of this one yet, but I'd be very interested to hear this one. Because it's almost it's almost kind of seeming Swiss Army Swiss Army knife style drive here. So we've also got a second um, second pedal within this lineup, which is the Phenom Distortion. So it that's uh, the sound of Mike Tyson trying to say Venom. <laughs> Fuck. <sake. laughs> Phenom. <laughs> oh, just tell me you can't hear it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying nothing. Iron Mike, just bear in mind who said the uh, 
who made the comment here. When you come for us, point your uh, point your anger in the right direction, please. Um, so the Phenom Distortion is a high gain um, distortion pedal. I hear that it's pointing towards the fifty one fifty sound, which is very interesting. I must admit, they look so much nicer than the the JHS series. Um, I, I've kind of found the JHS ones, like, you know, we've said that. The Tesco value. Te- te- yeah, <laughs> Tesco value sort of thing. And I, I really don't like how they look. Yeah, they're very, um, they are very plain. I mean, it's a, it's a minimalist look, but it's very hard to kind of distinguish between the two, isn't it? Like between yeah. any of the the series. Unless you're reading that tiny text that says like chorus or overdrive or whatever, they all look if, on the surface very, very similar. I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, it was like I had a bunch of them on my board and I was looking to turn on, say, a, a, a phaser, for example. I'd be like, oh, shit, which one is it kind of thing. Yeah. And some people have taken uh, taken that aesthetic as a challenge and have like painted their own graphics on the front which i find really really cool but your standard like bog standard billy like billy guitarist isn't gonna be like doesn't have the artistic skills and the the time and the effort to do that well yeah i put my end up as well for um so it's like the the uh the two wampler pedals they've got a very like the the aesthetic is very similar. They're different colours and the, the, there's different highlights as well, like different highlight colours. So you would be able to tell the difference between them on a dark stage. But yeah, there's, so there's Phenom, uh, Phenom Distortion. Uh, we've got a classic mode and a bright mode. So you, almost like a rhythm uh, rhythm tone and then like the bright bright mode is designed to really cut through the mix. So maybe if you're um if you're like the single guitarist at a band you'd use your kind of classic mode and if you're like within a, a bit heavier of a mix, maybe you're competing with a keyboard player or another guitarist, then you slap on the, the bright mode to get really heard. Again, you've got the three band EQ, they've got gain on the volume. And like I say, fifty one fifty style uh drive I am to believe. You don't get many uh, fifty-one fifty style drives at that price point. No, so the, probably the nearest you get would be—is it the the Moover kind of um, preamp sort of series pedals? I think that's probably going to be your nearest bet to that sort of ballpark. I would say. I think didn't MXR do a like Eddie Van Halen style drive? Possibly, don't put uh, me on that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I need an adult. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's not necessarily my uh, my wheelhouse. Is the higher distortion stuff? I know you you get similar kind of high uh, higher gain fire breathing tones out of like the the BEOD deluxe and stuff like that. Yeah, there's there's an MXR fifty one fifty. EVH overdrive, but that's two hundred and thirty-three pounds. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is coming in well, well under the that. price. And um, when we were having a chat with um, with Richard over at Wampler, like he he couldn't say anything about the pedals um, specifically because they were under embargo. But he mentioned like he had been try uh, trying something that was in the pipeline that he thought was one of the best drive pedals that Wampler has ever produced and I think he was probably talking about this uh, this Phenom distortion so Richard from Wampler approves they've uh, they've released a, the Chasing Tone podcast actually this week which talks all about the uh, about the lineup so if you are interested in, in hearing a lot more about these from the guy who made them uh, check out the Chasing Tone podcast because it's it's great stuff. Like he's a hugely knowledgeable chap. He's our Brian Wampler, and you get to hear from the horse's mouth exactly like how these uh, pedals go down. 
So, from Wampler releases to Joyo. Joyo have uh, they announced one this week, but as almost as soon as they announced it, I went went on Google and tried to find some information about it, and there's not a great deal out there. But so uh, the Joyo Argos has has uh, been released. So only British all, people the... are going to understand why that's so funny. Yeah, for the British listeners, it's it's much like the most reverb, isn't it? Like it's a very unfortunate name. Um, so Argos for for our overseas uh, listeners, the Argos is a it's like a chain of. It's really hard to describe, it, isn't it? It's it's like a um ugh, like an outlet store that you buy you can buy like any manner of stuff like sofas, jewelry, games consoles, kids toys, uh just like any manner of things that you can buy from it. But it's the way that the the store is set up is it's so unique and strange is you look at what you want to buy in a big catalogue, like big laminated catalogues, and then you order it and it comes <laughs> it, like there's a, a collection point and like you're you get a ticket with a number on and you have to look wait for your your ticket number to come order and, 362 to your collection point please it's exactly that and then like almost f- as if by magic from this portal from the back back of the shop comes your strimmer or like your <laughs> i don't know three piece sofa or something it's the most bizarre shop like i don't know where it came from i don't know why it's so popular over here but it is endured it's endured my entire lifetime so that's a good 30 odd years worth of like high street sales so it's it's a weird 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 name for the the pedal i know that there's like uh ancient greek city it's an ancient greek city isn't it or something like that but jason and the argus noughts <laughs> that's it yeah they ordered the ships from the uh from the big laminated catalog so, <laughs> so for us uk listeners it is it's a bit of a strange one. The the name Argos is has got those connotations which we just cannot. It's like if if they released the Joyo Walmart or the Joyo Target. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You just be like, what? But yeah, so it, if we actually talk about the pedal itself rather than the really odd name Dang. that it's got, it looks it looks like it might be something that you you would get along with here, Josh. So it's controls. It's got three like normal controls and two tiny pots. So you've got attack, gain, tone, gate, and level. So to me, I think that's probably looking at something like the um, Horizon Drive. So something along those lines. So you've got like an inbuilt gate, so it's got to be quite a heavy, uh, heavy tone pedal. And literally, the only thing that they released about it was a picture of it and just going the new Joyo Argos. So it looks like it might be like a high gain, modern, precise kind of drive. Mm. So, what are your thoughts? Like, aside from the fact that it's based on the laminated book of dreams. <laughs> Weirdly, I'm typing Joyo Argos, but nothing's coming up. Yeah, that's on, the problem uh, that the I had. Google. It, it like, flashed um, up on Instagram for like a day, and then it completely wiped out. Like, there was no I no think information on it. Leaked no. something that wasn't meant to be leaked. Well, it was on Joyo's official uh, official page, so someone leaked it. They're probably getting fired. It could. I think it could very well be a pedal that I would be interested in. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to wait to kind of see what the reviews are when it comes out first. Um, maybe even Joyo, if you're listening, want to hit one up for Pedal Boards of Doom. 
then I am game. That's it. I've, I think they released something similar in the um, in the R series not so long back. It was like a red pedal. I think it was called like the Dark Fire or something like that. I think that yes. was supposed to be based on the um, the Precision Drive. But this is searching, searching my mind now. This one, because uh, I, yeah, I'm supposed to be the budget pedal, budget pedal aficionado here. But it's it's definitely like the wheelhouse of um, the budget pedal end that I don't necessarily dip into too much is the, the high gain, the distortion side. But I can't remember what that one's I'm called. It's like go- a. I'm just googling. Man, Google's thing on the internet. Are you on about the ultimate drive? No, 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 no. Uh, We'll we'll come back to it. It's fine. I'll I'll do a bit of research. If any of you listeners know which pedal I'm talking about, there, drop us into like into the Fret Talk podcast group because I would I'm really interested if it is an actual pedal or if I just dreamt that Joyo had released uh, like a ultimate high gain. kind of modern drive the pedal within the R series is, is the Uzi but no the Uzi's based on the BEOD so I am to hear um, yeah I'm not we've sure we've done that one on the ped, on not pedal boards of doom I've done it on the and the no, BPC yep I've done that one right we've got a final final bit of news this week which is Harley Benton it almost seems like every week even if there wasn't any guitar news within a week Harley Benton would still come through they are the MVP of guitar news because every week they release something just a little bit different Uh, so this week they have released I don't know what their exact um, like product name for it is but it's basically a Mustang bass it is like one of these um short scale Fender Mustang style bases and they've released it in a number of fantastic colours so the question is short scale question mark would you be interested and if so what colour you're talking Josh well I have a base <laughs> But if, you know, if I didn't have a bass and I was looking into it, I'm just trying to pull up the colours now. I should should really start, like, opening all these before we actually start (laughs) the the, the, the podcast. I mean, the the fact that they are short scale is really, really guitarist-friendly, isn't it? Because... yeah. If you're transitioning from playing guitar to playing bass, it can be a very daunting task. Like it can be so so much of an issue that it's really difficult to even get down to the first fret because the the neck seems so long in comparison to guitars. So it's it's very much here we go. Got them up. It's very much helpful for uh, for guitar players who transition to playing a bit of bass to have that short scale. To be option. honest, the the black with the mirror pit guard is really bloody nice <laughs> i'm a bit of a sucker for a mirror pit guard so i mean to be fair yeah. i'd go with that but say if you're somebody who at home you know recording their own album for example and you haven't got a base yeah 85 pounds for a, a, a base you know is, is, is good value for money you'd be paying that on the used market for like a uh, a squire bass, like you know, yeah, or like um, I don't know, like a Nibenez bass, or yeah, or yeah, something like that. And this, this is potentially more, like, even more suited to it because, like, tracking on a on a full size bass is is tough. Um, and all the bassists out there are just like rolling their eyes and going, "Ugh, guitarists." <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Like it's it's exactly that, isn't it? It's, if you're not like if you are used to playing something with a a shorter scale length, and especially if you're like a, a player who plays like Gibson scale length as well, going from that to a bass guitar, 
is a massive, massive stretch. Pun not intended, but very but much there. Uh, so yeah, it's like if you are if you're at home and you're doing like you, you're tracking a like a solo album effort, you can like you can try and do bass guitar on like like keyboard and do like a MIDI style bass and get an okay kind of tone out of it. But I find like if I try and track bass on a keyboard, the bass lines that I play aren't the kind of stuff that I'd play if I was playing an actual bass. So you don't quite get like even if it the like the tonal quality is very similar to an actual bass guitar, you're not getting the same kind of feel. And for this price, what would you say? Eighty-five quid. Eighty-five quid plus shipping. So you're probably talking about hundred quid in total, which that's bloody good value. That's hardly anything, is it? Hardly anything, right? The the one that I'd go for. Usually, I'd I'd go for anything that's kind of surf surf greeny kind of color, but I really like the purple. The purple is nice, but if if it's it's the mirror pit guard on the black that does it for me, yeah, yeah, I, I can get on board with that. I can get on board with that. So, I think that's our podcast for this week, isn't it? That is the one. I think so, and if you if you follow us along to the Patreon, we're going to be talking a little bit about Metallica's new single. Ooh. So, which I'm really gassed to talk about. Absolutely, I've got some strong opinions, but we'll we'll save that for the page. Um, so as little as two dollars a month, you can be one of those people. For as little as two dollars a month, you get extra bonus content. Doesn't happen every week, but it's we've been on quite a roll actually. We've we've released weekly page stuff for quite a while. So we're on about fourteen, fifteen episodes now. So, like, for as little and, as two dollars. Uh, my my rant the other week even got people. Uh, we had a new, we had some new people sign up for the Patreon purely just to hear my rant. Indeed, feel honoured. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is two dollars a month? That's like it's bare, look, not even a meal deal. It's not even a meal deal. So, do yourself a favour. Sure, like, just chuck us two two dollars a month, and you can get on that page. You can get on the page train. So the people who back us are awesome and they are as follows. We have got Mr. Andrew Bimson of Rising of the Lights. We've got Mr. Adam Yeomans of Chef Tone Effects. We have got Mr. Doug Christ of 37 Effects, 37 Effects, Masters of the Cinematic Universe and the Just Surprise Me podcast. We've got Mr. Hugh Rection. We have got Mr. Ben Fletcher of Fletcher Pickups. We have got Mr. Brian Gower of the Tone Jerks podcast and the Second Button podcast. I can personally attest. Oh, we've got one more. We've got Mr. Ross Philpot as well. Our brand Welcome, new Ross Philpot. Indeed. A brand new page. Uh, Ooh, so I can personally attest to the, the podcasts on the list. I listen to all of those, and they are absolutely top quality. So do check them out, um, and check out like check out Cheftone as well. Cheftone did a, a little Black Friday sale this week, and my gosh, my like, gosh, that was the problem with me was it was do I get the Messiah Drive or do I get the Antares? And I thought I can get the Messiah Drive at another point. That, um, I mean, yeah, the the Messiah is. Well, it's reasonably priced at, at the best times, isn't it? So it's one of these that you can you can support the boy at full price with that. Um, but yeah, so if you want to catch me online, I am Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. You find me at Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. YouTube, of course, is the home to the No Talk or Tone series and the No Talk or Tone Versus series which this week featured the Grimmelkin Fuzz on the Midweek Boutique. And it will feature, by the time that this is out, it will feature the Breaker Drive by Demon Effects. I wonder what Blues Breaker that could be Blues Breaker based on. 
It's a blues break. <laughs> and Josh, where can we find you online? You can find me at the Corona Mortis on Instagram, and you can find me at Josh Castle TCM on YouTube. Oh yeah, that's the stuff. So for this week, from myself, Mister Budget Pearl Chap, from oh my gosh, it's Josh. It will be a tatty boy. A good night for this week. Good night, Bye. Bye. Why can't you make clothes out of cheese? I don't know why. Because fromage phrase. <laughs> oh, it's a good one, isn't it?